Hi, I'm Jeff Dewing, host of Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors. And I'm really excited to tell you about a brand new season. Season three is on its way very soon. And we've got a few surprises up our sleeves for you as well. Until then, I wanted to share some of my favorite episodes from past seasons just to whet your appetite. I absolutely loved talking to Sir Clive Woodward, not just because he was one of my idols, but because he was just such a down-to-earth guy on the numerous times I've met him. The bits I love most about our chat was the theme of teacup, which is thinking clearly under pressure, which was something that evolved in Sir Clive's reign as the manager of the England rugby team that won the World Cup back in the early 2000s. But of course, one thing that he also did was talked about business and how rather than go out and celebrate when you win the deal, you should go out and enjoy yourselves when you've lost the deal. Re-energize. If you've won the deal, everybody in the office Monday morning to truly understand why it is that we won the deal. Completely opposite to the way a traditional mind would think. And that was absolutely inspiring for me. Hi, and welcome to Doing the Opposite of Business Disruptors. Today, I'm excited to welcome my guest who needs little introduction. It's Sir Clive Woodward, OBE, who will be best known for taking the England rugby team to World Cup glory in 2003 by changing the rules. Welcome, Clive. How are you? Hi, Jeff. I'm very well, thank you. And lovely to speak to you again. Clive, can you give me some examples or an example um, of how during your career, your life, how and when you've done the opposite or changed the game or been disruptive and the impact that's had? Yeah, I think I think the, the big thing to, to, to stress, I mean, I've, I've had kind of, um, I'm probably best known for what I did in the rugby world, but got a business background. You know, I, I went to Loughborough University then. I worked for Xerox for eight years, including five in Australia. Ran my own small leasing and finance company for eight, eight years, which when I say small, was around 10, 10, 10 people. Then lucky enough, when the game went professional, I became the first full-time professional rugby coach. So, you know, and I've also had an amazing job with Team GB. I was director of sport for three Olympic Games. So I've kind of, my experience goes across your know, sport and business. Um, and I think the overriding principle and my favourite line, which is probably a bit opposite of what people think, is that a great teams made of great individuals, which, which may sound a bit strange coming from me because I pride myself on running teams. But I think if there's a secret to running team, if you get every individual working at his or her optimum level, the team stuff becomes a lot easier to actually do. So whilst I'm running teams, I'm absolutely one-on-one. I have more, more one-on-one meetings than probably any sports coach I've seen. I've not seen behind a lot of businesses, but I've seen a lot behind a lot of sports. I have one more one-on-one meetings with a, with a, with a player from coaching a rugby team, say, than anyone I've ever seen. And the reason I do that one-on-one is one, one to actually try to improve that person. My job as a coach is to make you better at what you actually do. But what I've found to answer your question is I, I just get so much information and knowledge from that individual. There's, there's a saying out there at the moment called psychological safety. But what I mean by psychological safety, within those meetings, one-on-one within, within the team, that individual, he or she must feel safe to put forward any thoughts or any, any ideas. And what I've found is, you know, I've almost now pride myself on not being good at new ideas or new thoughts. What I've found in all the best 
ideas, the disruptive ideas do come from the team. If, if, and it's a big if, you allow them to express themselves, really get involved. And I made it very, very clear, you know, you and me are not going to fall out ever if you come up with the most, you know, an idea that maybe leave you open to ridicule or banter. You and me are going to fall out if you're sitting there quietly and you feel a little bit intimidated or scared of putting the, putting the ideas forward. So, you know, quite, quite simply, if you want to really disrupt and change, and, and change is normally good, it's not always good. And my role as the head coach or the chief executive, whatever you want to call me, was to actually go, that's a great idea. And my favourite line, without any shadow of doubt, and the whole, all, my, all my stuff is, if it makes the boat go faster, we're going to do it. Yeah. And I'll repeat it. If it makes the boat go faster, we'll do it. Mm. So if I think this is going to make a difference, we're going to do it. And my job is to make sure it happens, to get, get the budget, get the, get the whole thing put in place. But also the opposite. If this is not going to make the boat go faster, we're just going to bid it. Just, and what I found, a lot of people get distracted by a lot of stuff and noise, but it's not going to make the boat go faster. And if you get the whole team doing this, you can create a fantastic environment where everybody is, is inputting into the business. And yes, you're there to lead this, but I see myself as more of the conductor of the orchestra as opposed to coming up with one big, big, big idea. And, you know, I, I always still see myself as a player, despite my grand old age now. You know, I've always remember when I played rugby or I was working in, you know, for Xerox, I remember sitting there and you, you just didn't feel you had the ability to put forward these ideas or thoughts because it was the guy at the front was doing all the talking, all the coaching, all the ideas had to come from the leader. And I've kind of flipped, flipped that. And that's what I've always done now, you know, and I'm, I'm running various businesses at the moment. I'm here at the moment in, in a place called Team, south of France. I'm running a ski academy down here. Nothing's changed. Even with young people, the ski academy, the youngest kid here is 13, the oldest is 17. I do one-on-one. I want to hear what they're thinking. What do they think? What are they really thinking? And do not underestimate where these new thoughts and new ideas can come from. And that's what I've done, Jeff. And it's, a, it's quite straightforward to me. But, you know, if you're going to employ people, haven't you? you've got to get them absolutely bought into what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be the best, whatever the business is or the sport is. But I want to hear from them as well as myself and the coaches. I want to hear what everyone is actually thinking. And, you know, as I say, if it makes the boat go faster, we're going to do it. And that's my job to, get, to actually get it done. Of course, and when you think when you compare that to business, I mean, we had that conversation three years ago, but you know, it's it's exactly the same in business and in your scenario in sport because the whole point about a great team is a great culture, and a great culture is a safe culture. And if you've got a safe culture where people realise there's no such thing as a stupid question or a stupid statement or a stupid idea, yeah. all of the ideas, bar none, come from the team that you didn't expect it because yeah. we're all we're all trained and brought up in a society that says. If you're the manager, the owner, the governor, the, the chief exec, the leader, um, you're supposed to come up with all your ideas and explain to everybody how you do it. And of course, yeah. that's not how the world succeeds. Yeah. But it's taken us generations to realise that we've been getting it wrong. And as leaders, our job is, as you say, is first to serve and to give people the opportunity to become their best selves. And to do that, they've got to have a voice. So it's really refreshing to realise that you tapped into that when you did with you know the team ethic with you know the rugby. And yet, and of course, the beauty of our conversation three or four years ago was when I realised how aligned business was with that with that ethos. But I learned the first of the, I mean, I had a great time with Xerox. I worked for Xerox eight years, big multinational, you know, I was on a graduate training programme. But the big learning came from when I set my own small company up. When I say small, it was based on what we did at Xerox Finance. So I took all the, the learnings from Xerox Finance, set up a small leasing and finance company. When I say small, it was at our height, we had 10 people. 
So it's generally small. Yeah. And this is where I really learned all this because when you got a, when you when it's your business and there's only a few of you, you have to meet every morning. You have to dialogue. You have to speak. You have to get these ideas coming forward. If you don't, you're going to go out of business. Yeah. You can't, you can't, and that's what I learned it all. So then when I was looking enough to get out of the charge of the rugby team, I ran it just like a small business, you know, yeah. but, and, and, I, and the players were, I think, quite shocked because I think for the first time they were, you know, asked, what do you think? What, yeah. what do you think? What, you yeah. know, what would you so do? you're getting yeah. involved in it. And these are, these are bright people. These are great, talented people. And what I found then with the Olympics there was no, there was no difference when you're dealing with, you know, Tris Hoy, Rebecca Radminson, all these superstar athletes. They were the same as Martin Johnson, Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. They, the, the real top people really want to be involved. They want to contribute, and they want to be involved. As the people who sit there in silence, you actually go, you, why are you actually here working with us if you're not going to contribute? And you know, there's plenty of time for that. So, I've just found it goes across sport and business. It, uh, you know, I run a, a, a series of classes now called the DNA of a Champion. And it's all about this. What I see in champion people is they've got a real passion for their subjects. They're always learning. They're always on the internet. They're always doing it at their own time. But they're always coming. They're, they're not to keep to themselves. They're very open people. They come into the team meetings with these thoughts and ideas. And that's what champions do because it elevates the whole team. And if you can get this team of people where everyone doing this, it's fantastic. It's just mm-hmm. a great you know, uh, environment to work in. It, it's challenging at times. But that, that's what you're trying to do. And, and that, that's how I think you can disrupt industry because you're, you're learning from the shop floor. There's a great book out, and I knew I should have written it down. It's by a guy called Niall Ferguson. And he, he's basically saying, you know, history says all the power was in the, the, the top of the business, you know, the chief executives. Yeah. What he's saying in this book, and I'll remember it, I'll try and remember the title of it, but you can look it up, Niall Ferguson. What he's saying, the, the real power is in the town hall down, down here, and he said, it's that town hall. And that's exactly what I think. And it's a fantastic book. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's all about saying, you know, it, it's, things have changed. The, the real power is down here. And can you, can you get the learnings coming from up, up, up here? And I think the other quote I'll, I'll put forward to, for your, your, your podcast, Jeff, is that Mandela once said, you know, I, I never lose. I either, either win or I learn. And that's the, the other great thing, you know, and that, that, that's one of the best ever quotes. I once saw my name against it because I use it all the time. So Clive Woodward said, you never, you know, I never lose, either win or I learn. I had to ring this guy. I said, look, thanks very much for putting my name against it. But it was actually Nelson Mandela. And, I, and, like, and always I've just pinched an idea off the great Nelson Mandela. But that, that's a fantastic quote. Because the, the, again, you know, within the team, when you lose, fine, we've lost. But what are the learnings? How do we learn from this? You can, you can certainly learn from winning as well. But I think most of the best things do come from when things when you've, when you've had a setback. But you don't just take it. You just, what do we learn? How can we make sure it doesn't happen again? But get the team, every individual, putting their thoughts. What actually happened? Why did we, you know, as I said, you can win. You can learn from winning as well as losing. Yeah. So that quote from Mandela is fantastic, I think. Well, again, if you think about, you know, you're, you're exactly right. And I'm completely on the same page because, but there is one other thing as well. And you just touched on it. You also have to learn from winning. What do you learn from winning? You know, it's, we all we all do a post mortem of what what went wrong. How often do we spend time on um, understanding what went right? And sometimes, yeah. because we've just won, it's something that goes into history. You've won, and I think yeah. the, those businesses that that do a post mortem of why they won yeah. um, is also the lessons to be learned that was different for when they lose. So it is about that post mortem and that that you know dissecting of of both situations to give yourself a full understanding and, and, and full knowledge and laser focus. I call that the, the Monday morning meeting, Jeff, and, and, what, 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 and, and I'd like to think I was quite good at that because 
what, what I learned from a small leasing company is that, you know, what happens in business, and I was totally guilty of this, uh, and sport, by the way, was without being too simplistic about it, but what happens when you, when you win the big deal? Friday night, you're on a pub, you celebrate, you open the yeah. beers and champagne, everyone's fantastic. What happens when you lose a big deal? Everyone in, 8 o'clock, Monday morning, massive overreaction to losing the deal. Yeah. What I think you've got to do is you've got to flip that. So in other words, when you lose the big deal, go down the pub, have a few beers, do not overreact to it. When you win the big deal, everyone in Monday morning, why did we win? Yeah. And that's exactly what you just said. Get everyone yeah. in. And of course, then it's fantastic because you, 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 you're being quite tough from a position of strength because we won the deal. How can we do it better? What were the key learnings? Why did we, why did we win? So I totally agree with that. And mm. I, use, I call it the Monday morning meetings. So, mm. you know, if we win, we're going to be in the crack of door Monday finding out why the hell we won, what went well, what actually... But people don't put anywhere in their stall on why they've won. They, no. they ask them. So what I'm saying is, I think there's a massive overreaction to, to losing and a massive underreaction to, to winning. And, and I think the key is getting the balance between both. Of course. And yeah. obviously, if you keep losing, you've got to get rid of Monday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's a fantastic way. And of course, going back to what you said with your one-on-ones with, whether it be players or your team in a business, I guess the other thing that is really, really important, and you know, I have this, I, I, it's not my saying, but I, I, there's some sayings I love. And, and one of the things is that no soldier goes to war for God and country. They go to war for the man on the right and the man on the left. Yeah. And of course, the same thing must apply in a team environment, whether it be a business team or whether it be a sporting team, that yeah. everybody absolutely implicitly trusts their colleagues um, to every degree. Uh, and, and again, when you get that level of trust and understanding, and there's a there's a huge amount of humility in in the team as a as a group, uh, that that has got to be one of the successes. That, that one of the drivers for success, surely. Absolutely. I, I, again, I was lucky enough with the rugby team. We did some work with the with the, with the services. We uh, I'm from a service family, and my dad was in the air force, so I'm from a, I was spent all my life in air force bases. But we worked with the Royal Marines at Limston, and you know the, the interesting thing about the Royal Marines when you work with them. And it's great taking the, the, the rugby team down there to work with these guys because they, they love the players, the players love them. But, you know, the, the average age, and this is the, the big big learning for me, that the average age of a Royal Marine officer is 21. Wow. You know, when you think about it, these are the guys who go to fight for us in yeah. Afghanistan and, you know, Iraq and Guadalupe. The average age is 21. So they've not got this experience. They've not experienced all this. But what I learned from, from them was just what I've just explained. The amount of time they spend in the classroom just going over scenario after scenario after scenario. And what they're looking for is the input from every individual. Mm. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? And they start to think it through. So, you know, whilst they're amazing, you know, arguably the best fighting force in the world, the, the Royal Marines, whilst they're amazing athletes, amazing soldiers, amazing shotguns, the, the real, the real, I think, that's not even a secret. I think the real power of them is the way they think, mm. you know, but it's not instinctive. They They're able to... They've sat for hours after hours in classroom after classroom, just going through scenario after scenario after scenario. And then when it happens in the real world, which they definitely live in, they, they kind of remember this stuff they've learned in the classroom, basically. We're back to teacup, right? We're back to teacup. It's, it's how you handle pressure. You <laughs> yeah. know? So they, they learn to think correctly under pressure. And this was the, the, the big thing. And, and that, that was a big shock to the rugby team when we went down there. These, these guys who were fighting for us, they're just so young. Mm. I mean, our team was pretty young, but we're all older than the Royal Marine. And these yeah. are the officers. These are the guys who are leading the, lead, lead, leading the troops. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we did some great sessions with them where we'd, we'd be in the, again in the classroom and they'd put a, um, a flip chart and just say, there is a situation we got ourselves into. And we do exercise, how do you get out of it? And of course, you just look at this thing, how, the, how do you get out of this? You've got no chance of surviving this. 
And then, you know, we did breakout groups and then they would come back and say, this is what we actually did. And of course, what, what, what we're saying to them is, where did that come? How did you think about that? Because you can't have possibly experienced it. You, you, you can't. Yeah. We said, well, it was, it was in the classroom. It may not be exactly the same situation, but it was quite close. So we had to make these quick calls. But, but the key thing, back to great teams, made of great individuals, every individual was participating in this. You're yeah. not there not to have a thought about this. Yeah. And, and that's where I come. That's the big learnings I've learned, which has able to apply to business and, and my, rug, my rugby team. That Everyone's got a role to play. And if you're not going to p- participate, doesn't matter how talented you are, you can't be in the team. Mm. If you're going to sit there and say, I- I'm just in here because I'm a great rugby player. You're not going to be in the team. We're well, not going to be my team. And that's what I, I remember when, when we sat down for a few years ago. I remember saying to you, um, you know, that Johnny Wilkinson's, you know, kick. I get, how lucky was that? And and I got that dagger view from you saying that it wasn't <laughs> luck. <laughs> we practiced that a hundred times. So I mean, again, and it just shows the power of scenario setting and understanding every eventuality. We practiced that a million times, mm. a hundred times, yeah. a million times. So, but even yeah, you know, that dropped one one kick. It wasn't just him. It was all every single player has got a role to play. Of course, you're you saying know, it's like yeah. being at war. You know, you've got to. You, you know, Johnny was there with the fi- find the final shot, the drop goal. But every player is doing his job, and if one person doesn't do their job properly, it all it all fails. So you know, it was huge. So it, all these you know, learnings I've been lucky enough to be exposed to in my career in, in sport and business, and and they're all the same. You know, sports and business. That's why I keep saying to everyone: running a rugby team is running a small business. There's no mm-hmm. different at all. You're just delivering. Deliver results through people, but mm. I'm, I'm just big on the individual. I'm, my job as the as the boss is to mm. try and improve every individual, and also you can't bullshit these these guys. They they know whether you're delivering or not. They know whether you really are making them a better player. Yeah. And if you do, they won't let you down. Yeah. They really won't. As, as if you say you're going to do this and stuff, then you don't deliver it. Then you're going to have problems. Well, they've got lack of trust, right? So that's, yeah, yeah. Then they, they they trust you. They respect you. And, but it comes through just the quality of what you do, and and everything is geared around. Trying to make the boat go faster. If mm. we're doing that, we're, mm. we're on the right track. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. So, listen, Clive, as we uh, come on to the next section, and I guess um, I want to pump in this question because these are sort of questions that are really um, I find fascinating from different people. So, based upon you know your wealth of career and your wealth of knowledge and experience and what you've done in life and in in business and in sport, what would you say if you was only able to name one thing? What would you say you was most grateful for? Well, that's a really I'm probably most grateful for the fact of being able to stay healthy. Um, you, you know, I'm 65 now, which when I think of my being 65, that seems incredibly old. Wow. Yeah, I've, I feel, I don't, I can honestly say I don't feel any different than I fully felt when I was 18, 19. Well, it's annoying to say you don't look any older either. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've got, yeah, I've got my grand, I've got two grandchildren. But I've kind of, when I say I've worked on my health, I've not done anything stupid. I say to so many business people, I, I, I think you, you can stay healthy just by, just. You, I'm not talking about being, going to the gym and being on treadmills and lifting weights. You, you, you can stay, the number one of staying healthy is just having to rely on your weight and, and you rely on your diet, you know, and weight, diet, sleep is huge yeah. in terms of staying healthy. I've, I've, I've always, I think we, we don't understand anywhere near enough about sleep. Um, you know, when I hear people say, "Well, you know, it's a bit of a in the in certainly in England, it's a bit of a kind of a a, a badge of honor when people say I, I don't need much sleep." You know, it's probably based on Margaret Thatcher and Winston Churchill <laughs> almost dying down the fact they don't need a lot of sleep. Yeah. I, I'm the I'm the opposite. I think you need sleep. You, you you've got to it's recharging and recharging. Um, 
So uh, without being daft, I do a certain amount of exercise. I love playing golf, so I play a lot of golf. Um, I, I play I play racquetball and squash, but I, I'm very conscious of my, my weights. I think weights are key a key indicator, and you know, I go on the scales every day. And you know, but I, I, I you know, I, I like to eat, like a beer. So you know, you have to live live, live amongst life here. But yeah, it's moderation, I guess. Just isn't it? moderation, yeah. and just you know, walking dogs. You just mm. got to get some exercise. If you don't do exercise and you find the weight start to go on, that's where I think you're going to get into trouble. So that's the one thing I say I've been lucky about. And it, it may sound a, you know, a bit of a, I'm not sure it's the answer you wanted, but it's, it's what I've just been touched with, lucky enough, been, been healthy. You know, I'm, and, and even, even now I'm, I'm working with the ski academy in the south of France and you know, I'm no ski coach, but I love skiing and I love golf. And to be lucky enough to working with young athletes who are trying to be the best in the world is is fantastic, but I can only do that if I'm healthy enough to do it properly. Well, that's again, again, you know, back to the business world. You know, one of the things I say to my team all the time, and again, I've done quite a bit of research into sleep, and I'm one of the lucky ones that does, if you like, understand the importance of sleep. But I say to them, if you're not, you know, if you're not sleeping, you've not got adequate sleep, and you're not fit and healthy, you're of no use to anybody. Yeah. So you have a responsibility, and if selfishness was ever a good thing. The only element of selfishness is to be selfish enough to ensure you are the best that you can be to enable yeah. you to be the yeah. best to other people. So, um, so no, it's a great answer, and, and I'm certainly not disappointed by it. Well, I think I think also, Jeff, you, you need you need to just you know, if you're in a position of, of business, you, you you do need to look the part. When I say look the part, it's, it's and then that that comes down to again your, your weight and how you look, but just how you dress and how you operate, and you know, certainly being I think the chief executive or being the boss of any company, it's, it's a twenty four seven thing. You you can't. Just leave the door and then behave differently outside of that. You are there to be a role model, set examples, and, and take your do, you know, seriously, basically. And you, you know, and yeah, I say, yeah, I'm going to be a monk. I'm going, I'm going to sort of give up things. You, you just got to just be just just conscious of who you are, what you are, what you re- what you represent. And if you're leading teams of people in business or sport, I think I think you do have responsibility for that. And but you you do have to set. A, an example, and I, I just think you know you 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 can look the part, you can stay healthy without without being anything silly. And I think it's a really important thing to do. Well, yeah, and I, I'd like to sum that up. But one of the things I say all the time to people around me is, no one cares what you say; they only care what you do, what you do um, yeah. because that's essentially what they believe and trust. So, yeah, great. Okay, and as we wrap it up, I've got one final question. If there was one message you would want to give this audience, um, what would that message be? Um, as a token of wisdom or a token of knowledge that you would say you've hung your hat on? Well, I think that's, that's a lot, lot easier, Jeff, to be honest. I think we've already covered it. it it's, just, it's just learning. Mm. I, I never lose, either win or I learn. So your ability to learn, and also with technology now, you know, it's never been better time for learning about, about stuff that's got going on. And it's just having that passion for learning. And the mm. moment you, you, you lose that, you're going to come second. Um, but, you know, if you can get your whole team online with that as well, that's that's the whole the whole thing. So I think the, the Mandela quote works because you know, and, and also life doesn't go like that. You know, mm. you, you do you do lose, you do lose big deals. You do have time things aren't going well. Crikey, we lost to Scotland once. This <laughs> <stuff> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you laugh for all your my Scots friends on the call. My uh, my, my 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 PA is like the Scots lady, so she, she's always giving me heaps of love when I say that. But, you know, it happens. So this stuff, this happens, mm. this happens. and that yeah. was a joke. Um, <laughs> not a very good joke, but anyway, it's well, a joke. It made it. It's going to make a few people. But it happens. But it's, it's how you, it's, it's how you, it's how you rebu- rebound, and and it's it's so so important. And what were the learnings? What happened? Why did we? What happened? You know, and it, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you don't make them twice. And 
So it's, so it's learning that's, 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 that's to me is everything. I completely agree. Um, the passion to learn, the passion to have the humility to realise you don't know everything and there's a lot to learn. Yeah, exactly. And again, I also summarise it with my team and they say, you know, what is, what is, what would you say the most important thing you want me to do is? And I say, be curious. Yeah. And be curious creates learning. So yeah. um, that's brilliant. Anyway, listen, um, Clive, I've absolutely um, loved catching up with you again. Thanks so much for sharing your incredible stories and your journey. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to have you um, on my company podcast, Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors. I look forward to catching up with you again soon, Clive. Have a great time in the south of France. And, uh, and please, in this case, don't break a leg. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>